Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Cows and Canoes. My name is Brandon and today we're playing a solo conversation with Big Papa G Nick. Hey buddy. What's up B? So you and I have known each other honestly for over years. A, yeah, over a decade at this point. Um, and both of us went with a, a restaurant that uh, we kind of you know helped start up and get running and all the good mm, stuff. Logan's. Yeah, you know the point. Um, <clears throat> so here's the thing that I always wanted to uh, talk about with you, right? So where was your first restaurant? How did you get into the industry? Well, that's Man, the that's first a good question. question. So where I fell in love with food yeah. uh, was my grandma's kitchen. Okay. Uh, she would have me up on the counter helping her with recipes. Oh, yeah. uh, learned how to make pancakes by the time I was like five. Hell yeah. Um, always in the kitchen, messing with herbs, stuff like that. Uh, spices. Um, my mom wasn't the greatest cook, but she would, she was sufficient. Okay. Um, my first job actually was at Brahms Ice mm. Creamery. Yep. So let me ask you on that one first. So Brahms for anybody outside of Oklahoma, right? Um, so Brahms Milk is burgers. is well known for actually having their own cattle, having their own ice cream, all the good stuff. Right? It was farm to table before farm to table was a big thing, right? Exactly. So when you're when you're getting to Brahms and you're you're nude guy on the table, what have you? Um, is there a uh, certain pride that comes with that? Are you like these are our cattle? You know that kind of thing, or like, what? What's the? How do you represent the brand at that point? Because, like, in my theory, most teenagers don't give a f, dude. I was a sixteen-year-old kid. It was my first job yeah, ever. Yeah, they that's hired, not uncommon. They yeah. hired me on after my sixteenth birthday, so I'm in October. Yeah. So we're looking right around Halloween. Yeah. Uh, they worked me the so I was supposed to be a part-time gig because I was a sophomore in high school. Okay. Still playing football. Right. In football season. And these dudes worked me 13 out of 15 days. Damn. Yeah. Yo. And they had me close in lobby, so I'm not getting out till 11 o'clock at night. Oh, yeah. Um, first thing they did is they handed me an ice cream scoop, and they said, make an L. And if you've mm. ever worked at Brahms, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, don't worry. It comes in a square <laughs> cart, and you just make a little L around the outside. It's all good. Yeah. Um, they There wasn't a lot of emphasis. So, I mean, you got to remember, this is 1998. Right, right. So right. there's not a ton of brand pre rep- okay. Yeah, <laughs> brand representation. So I mean like Nike was big, Adidas was big, but it wasn't like this is my brand. I rep my brand, you right. know. We must have in this house. It wasn't like that Under Armour yeah, stuff, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah, so shit, right? it, it hadn't really gotten to that point. It just kind of stood on its own. Okay. And um I worked there for about two and a half weeks. Whenever they didn't give me but one day off in 15 days, I was like, I'm out. Oh, like, so I just do your first job was two and a half weeks, bro. Okay. Yeah. So it let me miserable. ask, I mean, other than obviously uh, you, you worked your tail to the bone at that point. <laughs> um, and then that's, if that's the first job, that's really uncomfortable. It's right? miserable because there was, there was no acknowledgement of my other activities like right. they treated me like all i did was work for brahms when in reality i'm going to school full-time i'm playing football at that point in time you know i mean there was lots of different things pulling my way i wasn't just your average 16 year old kid that didn't have any extracurricular activities i was very driven but the problem was is i was a good worker and so they abused me yeah and so it just stems from that. And then after Brahms, the next job I got was actually Slotsky's. Okay. So that's whenever it used to be over on the 86. Del Toro. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you, um, obviously, when you're young and you're trying to find a job, it's easy at 16. And I say that like, here's the thing a lot of people don't realize in the restaurant industry. Like the assumption is that if you're 16 and trying to find a job, you don't have bad habits, right? So it's really easy to hire a 16 year old. Um, so you got super jaded hella quick. Obviously you're like, God, this is the worst, right? So then you jumped over to Schlotzky's, which shut down probably, I don't know, 2002, something like that. What was it like pre shutdown there? Because there's a Slotsky's now that's not the same gameplay. Correct. So um, whenever it opened, uh, it was next door to the movie theater, but the movie mm-hmm. theater at that time was just now getting open. Yeah, right. Um, it was 
And this is back in the day. So, I mean, there are very few eateries in Owasso. So anytime right. something opened, it was packed for months. Big deal, yeah. And so, you know, there was mostly high schoolers that worked there. And the company itself actually really enjoyed working for. Okay. The problem was is there was somebody on shift that had an issue with me, and he f- wanted to fight me in what the do, parking what lot. What do you think caused that At, now in retrospect? In retrospect, I think I'm an intimidating person, and people think that if they disrespect or punk me, then they're going to get more respect. Mm. I was the big dude on campus. I was the football player. This guy, uh-huh. this guy was in karate or whatever from the time sure. he was seven. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they were goofing off with water bottles, and they kept spraying people, and they sprayed me, and I said, don't do that again. Right. And he sprayed me. Hey, effing stop, dude. So, no, yeah. no. At that point, I just punched him in the shoulder. <laughs> and right. then he turned around, like, punched me in the gut and was like, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, well, it's over. Well, at the end of the shift, I see him on the phone thinking he's calling his mom or whatever for a ride. And we're walking out, and it's me, him, another guy, and a girl okay. walking into the parking lot. And then these two guys get out of a car, and they walk up. And these three dudes are getting ready to jump me. Why? The, what the fuck? Because I punched the dude in the shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I really hurt his pride. Yeah. And, and that's the actual answer is yeah, pride, not actual exactly. physicality. Well, and he he thought he could take me, which is sure. really funny. But anyways, he uh, calls his two buddies and they show up. One of them actually, like, while he's trying to fight me, like, I'm trying mm-hmm. to walk away from this dude and he's mm-hmm. punching me in the back. Like, I'm walking to my car trying to alleviate the issue. Trying to be the bigger guy. Yeah. And he keeps... And the third time he punches me, I'm like, all right, whatever. So I take my work shirt off. We're in the movie theater parking lot. Mm -hmm. And I'm ready to fight. And he's dancing around, not letting me get anywhere close because I wouldn't if I was him either. Right. And his buddy jumps on my back. And the guy that was with us pulls his buddy off my back and goes, no, if he wants to fight him, he can do it on his own. So at least there was that. All right. Yeah. Aspect. There's a little so, bit of, uh, yeah. So, so honor, we're dancing, I guess. Yeah. So we're dancing around a little bit and he comes at me with a front kick and like hits me right in the gut. Nice look at it. And I look back at him and I said, let's do that again. So he comes at me again. This time I sidestep it, grab him by his heel, grab him under his armpit. And I throw him across the parking lot. Heard that. And I said, okay, you're done. And then I walk away and right. leave. Didn't go back to work. Okay. I just, I was done with that. I, I, it was just so much drama. It was ridiculous. Yeah. And so almost got jumped in a parking lot. So I leave there and then, uh, so start wrestling. I was, well, let's, let's, year. let's get back into the conversation. So did you quit that night? Were you just done? Yeah, I didn't, back? I didn't, I didn't even call management after I was, I, I so was then, um, obviously they weren't protecting me. Right. So then obviously at that point, like what was the next job like how long what's the time frame between the next job i took a full year off uh only thing i did was umpiring okay uh because i was playing baseball at the time i had to end with the local youth league sure and so at 16 years old i was umpiring baseball games okay and making 30 dollars a pop yeah which is good money back then not bad at all yeah exactly so i did that and then my senior year one of my buddies talked me into getting a job at taco bell okay because that's where he was at sure and i worked there until i was going into college and at that point, I just left that job and started so, doing my college workouts and stuff like that. Yeah. So let's take a half step back, right? So um, you, you know, obviously have a bad taste in your mouth for restaurants at this point, right? I'm not so, very well protected at this point. Right. The abused, last yeah. two restaurants have proven that being in a restaurant in in this kind of concept here yeah. in town is a shitty thing to do. Yeah. Yet you still decided to join into the taco bell concept so going into that what what is it that like is it because your buddy was there you're like all right i'll give it hospitality has always been in my blood okay taking care of others and providing sustenance is kind of a basic need that i feel inclined to help with it's something that i'm passionate about and so it for me looking back on it i think the reason why i kept going back to that is because the other option was retail 
Okay. Yeah, right. And fuck retail. (laughs) So, I mean, at a young age, I knew knew that retail was not for me. Right. You know, I wasn't working in a grocery store. I didn't want to go work in a deli. I didn't want to work at the snow cone shack. Yeah, right. You know, I I knew that restaurant was a passion of mine. I just didn't really understand why. And I think because it's that constant interaction with individuals. And so, therefore, it's never, I mean, even though you're repeating yourself, it's always a unique experience. Yeah, you're or not can wrong. Be. Yeah, yeah. And so I think I kind of understood that from a young age, and so I think that's why I kept going back to food. Gotcha. So you got in Taco Bell. Plus, there's Bell. a discount. How long were you at Taco Bell, though? Because I mean, four first, months. Okay, so not not a huge amount of time, not a terrible amount of time. Right. Uh, enough to get a feel for it. Well, I mean, for a, for a guy that played multiple sports to work four mm-hmm. months consecutively, where you're working three to four nights a shift, that's unusual. Right for me okay and so i mean there are other kids like you may work at canes for two years but if you're in band during band season you work one day a month right right right. you know so anytime that happened i would just quit and then pick up another job right right so the question i think the next step here is that uh what was your first actual like real job though like because i mean when you talk about the uh the the quick seasonal jobs or whatever what's your next like this waffle house okay this is my like i'm gonna do this job i was the third shift cook at waffle house so what is third shift that's like fucking nine, two in the morning or some shit right 9 p.m to 7 a.m god that sounds wednesday miserable th- wednesday thursday friday saturday yeah the worst like jesus christ that's drunkard so, everything but that's when i shined man uh, people would come in intoxicated big dude loud dude i ran the show yeah. uh there was no other manager that needed to be there if the cops needed to be called i called them you know we handled mm-hmm. everything it was where i kind of fell in love with the bar crowd okay which eventually led me into bartending whenever sure. i turned 21 yeah for sure so in 2003 so let's assume, i helped open, how old are you thinking when you're the uh, the waffle house like i'll 19? tell you right now uh 20 20 okay. i turned 21 working at waffle house so okay. the one in owasso opened in october of 2003 okay i know that because i turned 21 in october of, of 2003. 2003 right yeah and yeah. so i turned 21 after so i got trained at the peoria location which is no longer around yeah yeah um I remember getting trained that night and them showing me where we cut the fruit and then where we cut the lines okay you know what I mean by that? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that, that's a cocaine reference, guys. <laughs> well, methamphetamine. <laughs> oh shit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, well, it's, it's where they. I always think. I always ice. think we talk about lines. You always, but I guess it's Oklahoma. We, we so said we said Waffle House, not Mahogany's. <laughs> <laughs> and so, there, uh, I guess you're not wrong. On no, that, I'm not like. wrong. <laughs> so there, <laughs> there, there are All two right. separate tables. One was to prep the food for the shift and the other one was to prep the methamphetamine for the shift so let me ask a question Shit. into that one like so this is the real thing though right real like, deal what a, yeah so waffle office is known for being less than reputable right like that's what they are known for that's their thing i thought i was gonna have to black out teeth in order to fit in oh shit um <laughs> no so the real question i think i have in aspect there is that um when you did you know that getting into it was that a conscious decision or did you find that out after the fact because okay yeah because like everybody nowadays i think in your and i's concept is that somebody gives them waffle house like hey i just got a a job at waffle house you're like god damn like are you that bad off like do you need a dollar like what can i do for you like there's there's the concept nowadays because we're older But, like, if somebody told you now that they're getting a waffle house, you're like, shit, like, are you that bad off? Yeah. So, the thought process behind it was, we're talking 2003. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. at that point, your eateries in Owasso are McDonald's on 76th Street, Chimmy's, Golden Corral, mm-hmm. the Ram Cafe, Chili's wasn't even yet. No? Nope. Okay. Or, wait, no, you're right. Uh, 2002? 
Yeah, 2001. about that, right? So, so Chili's was there, but it's a half Chili's, not a full Chili's. Yes, and so you're talking about the entirety of Owasso trying to eat at one Chili's. Yeah, right. Like, it was before Applebee's. Applebee's right. didn't come around till 05. Yep. Logan's didn't show up till 06. Yep. So we're, we're talking, this is the next best and only restaurant open 24 hours a day. Correct. This is what pushed McDonald's to opening 24 hours a day. Right, right, right. Yeah, I remember that. And so we had the youngest, most That's attractive when, uh, crew in Walmart all. Was still on eighty six. Yep. Actually, yeah, yeah. You're not well. Walmart moved the same year Chili's got built. So two thousand one, uh, yeah, yeah. two thousand two. Yeah, yeah. Because my ex wife used to work at the Walmart when it was at Hobby, or sorry, Big uh, Lots, Big Lots yeah. before it moved to the current Super Center. Right, right. Super Center. But, um, so yeah, Waffle House at the time was legitimate. I mean, it was a legitimate business. It was as solid. much as it could it was, be. Yeah. It was as clean as any Waffle House you've ever been to whenever I ran there. But so I worked there from 03 basically to 06. So that was about a three year stint. That's um, a long time though in a Waffle House. It, and I don't mean like any restaurant, like in a Waffle House, that's a long time. It's a long damn time, bro. Yeah. And so what it was is I would go back and forth between that and bartending. Yeah. And so uh, my first bartending gig was actually downtown at a club called Eclipse. I remember Eclipse, yeah. Which is now Flytrap Music Hall or whatever it is right yes, there at 1st so. and Greenwood yeah, yeah, or 2nd yeah. and Greenwood. Yeah, whatever it is, yeah. Whatever it is. Uh, I remember that, yeah. But anyway, so whenever I worked there, it was a hip-hop club and we didn't get busy until 11 so, and then we closed down at 2 and so it let's was ask high frequency the basic question of how did you get from uh basic level uh, and short I say line cook short line cook to a bartender because in the industry bartending is like a step up like you you got to know your shit how did you go yeah. from a to b without actually having experience in that point that's actually a really good question so like i said the um Waffle House kind of helped me fall in love with the bar crowd. Right. So it made me start kind of asking questions, stuff like that. Um, family wasn't really big drinkers or right. anything like that. But what I decided to do is I actually went to bartending school at Cimarron College. Oh, shit. I didn't know that. Did you really? <laughs> no shit. I took a week-long course. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cost me like uh, $800 or $1,000. Yeah, it was yeah, like a, a grand, lot. something like that. Yeah. But this guy... I can't remember his name, but he brought us in and he gave us an entire Rolodex of recipes. He taught us how to pour. He taught us how to do this, how to what use jiggers, this, all of it. Yeah. You know, walk in the door, check your baggage, pick up your persona, get behind the bar, That's it. be be the entertainment, be yeah. the guru, be the all knowledgeable, be the guy with the lighter, be mm-hmm. the guy, you know read people right and so i have this conversation often is that being a bartender does not mean you um to make drinks is that that's a part of it yes but there is a personality behind the bar that people show up for there's nothing worse than showing up for a bartender and getting a beer tender yes right like you you want (coughs) to like be able to relate it's a damn show you better be a psychologist you better be a philosopher and you better be up to date on it, pop culture references right it sounds terrible but like the last thing you need to do as a bartender is pour a drink like that's the only thing you don't have to know how to do everything else you can get away with like uh what goes in a crown and coke uh, <laughs> you want jack daniels and i don't know pepsi is that cool yeah what's a 14 <laughs> get the hell out of here with your seven and seven bullshit <laughs> I'm going to make you a Presbyterian, oh, you son of a bitch. Right? No shit. But yeah, um, so what ended up happening is I took my love of cooking right, and okay. developed a love of mixing booze. Okay. Different recipes, more freedom. A little different impact, too. Way more rambunctious. Absolutely. Um, a lot more intimacy. Okay. Um, as far as especially interaction with the public, there's something about that three foot space that just makes people want to tell you everything. Absolutely. And so it, it was a completely different aspect. Um, after working downtown at the club eclipse, they let go pepper spray one night and within the week I quit. And then that following weekend, a guy got shot out in the parking lot. 
So I was really glad that I got out of that. No shit. Next bartending job was 2005 whenever I got on at The Vault. Okay, so let's let's shift into that one, right? So at the same time, you said 06 is when you left Waffle House. So you're doing two jobs at the same time. Correct. Okay, so when you're doing, um, you know, obviously uh, bar crowd for Waffle House, and at the same time you have the income coming from actually bartending, mm-hmm. um, where do you, pri- how did you prioritize the two? Because, I mean. I drank a lot. I mean, I didn't ask how much you drank because I assumed that was a thing. But like, how there did... was no prioritizing. It was simply show up, do your job. Okay. There was there there wasn't a lot of passion at that point. I had um, kind of given up hope with moving up in Waffle House. Uh, I think they were still paying me like less than nine dollars an hour, even though I'd been with them for two years, and they started me out at eight. Eesh. Yeah. Anyways. Um, but I really enjoyed the bartending aspect of it and the fact that I got on with a local establishment, the first real bar in Owasso, um, was really cool. I was there for seven months. I uh, ended up losing that job because the owner's girlfriend accused me of slipping her a roofie. Is that a thing that, uh, and like, I don't ever know you knowing doing roofie things, but like, is that a thing that was common then at that location? Like, did people get roofied often? There was a guy, but it was not me. Well, okay. So no. it's not uncommon that that was happening to people. No, but she was, she was just drunk. Oh yeah. I can <laughs> imagine. Yeah. Um, she asked me to make her a pre-shift drink and I made it. And she was too intoxicated from the night before to handle it and ended up sleeping her shift in the office floor while I had to do all the extra work. And then I'm the one that got fired for it. So I know, um, generally speaking, the vault, um, was less than reputable for the people that worked there. Shady as fuck. Sure. Let's, let's go with less than reputable. Um, so let's go with when you decide to leave waffle house, what was the final straw and said, I'm out. I can make a paycheck in a day. Doing the bartending, yeah. Yep. Okay. So how did you approach that with with Wall of it, it was actually um they actually celebrated me walking out. Uh they were all excited so for you me gave stepping notice, into, oh, you yeah. said hey i'm doing yeah. this yeah so the owner of waffle house and the tulsa area his name is jeff mullins he and i you know i coached his son his daughter and i know each other you know we're we, it wasn't a terrible situation okay. they just didn't want to pay me okay because they don't want to pay anybody but right it's waffle, you know, house, it's yeah. waffle house i mean they're charging seven dollars for an entire meal right yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, whenever your waitress walks out with $20 in tips and it's a good night. Right, um, right, right, right. So there, there's just not that dynamic. Right. And so that's something that I think I've learned over the years is to appreciate the dynamic of a place and understand that. But, you know, we had to start somewhere. Right. And so moving into the vault, it had all of its small town bar cliches, you know, I know the owner, everybody knows the owner, pour right. me something special. Yeah, it's not um, happening. Yeah. Oh, I don't have my ID today. Well, get bent. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I almost had to fight a regular over that. This fifty-year-old man wanted to fight me because I wanted to cart a twenty-three-year-old girl. Yeah. Suck my dick. Yeah. You know, get get the hell out of here. So I, yeah. I I had that conversation all the time. Is that I don't. It's not about whether or not you're of age, but if you can't prove it, then I am as liable as anything else. And literally, that's, that's the legitimate issue. Well, and they don't care. Right. Like there was, um, I don't know if you and I have had the conversation for it when I was uh, training with old Chicago up in, uh, no, we Denver. Haven't. Okay. So I was in Denver, right. Training with old Chicago and uh, obviously I'm in training. I've, I've dealt with drunk people. It's not a <laughs> new concept, right? Like that's a thing. I've met your family. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> so there's, there's this couple who are at the bar, right? Damn. Girl comes in literally orders a beer passes out before she even drinks half of it mm. what does that mean uh she's cut off yeah no shit right? too late so there there's two aspects she came in inebriated or she's under or she's on medication something along those lines yeah those are your two options right that's, Correct. that's the only thing so the guy that's sitting with her is like hey listen i want another beer and i was like sorry bro like this this is how this entire thing works you two as a group um you guys are cut off like we're not continuing to serve you guys because she is literally sleeping on my bar right now 
right? right? And you are claiming responsibility for her. Right. Right. At this part, we're done, you know? Not that I'm trying to be an asshole to you, but, like, she's got to go home. Yep. Like, that's, that's as far as this goes. Yep. And then he started raising his voice because, well, you decide to keep serving somebody who is inebriated. Dude, we gave her one drink, and she didn't even get halfway through it. Yeah. Well, why did you serve her in the first place? You guys literally just sat down. Yeah. I will give you a beer. Yeah. We didn't serve you more. Right. Right. So there, there's that certain uh, aspect of restaurant industry that people feel... Um, well, it's policing adults. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's telling somebody no whenever they don't have the wherewithal to do that yeah. for themselves or for those involved that they may impact. Absolutely. And, and that's something, you know, that we have developed in our uh, experience through the restaurant industry yeah. and hospitality and all that. And so it, it's the hospitality industry has really kind of. I mean, as much as it's been beneficial and helped me in aspects, it's really screwed me. Like you said, You're jaded. Wrong. Yeah. And so, um, from Fishbone or from the vault, right? Getting Fishbone fired way later. Yeah. Why'd you get for, uh, for that? For slipping the girlfriend a roofie. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Even though that wasn't me. So um, that was owned by Boozman at the time, right? That is correct. Okay. So then, what did you do next? Like, was that Chili's? Applebee's. Next? Applebee's next. Opened Applebee's in 05. So. Okay, so that was right, like, because I joined up with you probably uh, less than a year later. It's like 05, late 05, 06. Uh, September 06 is whenever we interviewed for Logan's. That makes sense, yeah. That's, so, that's math, yeah. So 05, September, I am still coaching football okay. in the fall, right? which I believe this was my third year. <clears throat> So I'm doing that, but I need another job. Yeah. And so Applebee's has already done all of their hiring for serving staff, bartenders. So I missed out on everything. Right, right, right. The only thing they were still hiring for was an expediter during the day for lunch shift. Take it. Fuck it. So I take it. I think it's like eight fifty an hour or something like that. And I'm Actually, working. at the time, that's not bad, dude. It was, it was high quality, but there were no tips. Uh, okay. Yeah. So suck it. Right. Right, so like so, a lot of people flat. don't understand. Like in two thousand five, eight fifty in Oklahoma, minimum wage at the time was probably five seventy five. Yeah, I was gonna say that it's pretty significant. It was. It was five seventy five. Yeah, so to be three dollars an hour over in anything a restaurant, over seven fifty is huge in a restaurant. You gotta be kidding. That's like a phenomenal. Yeah, and so the guy that hired me on is Jack Coleman. Oh, I remember Jack. Who, yeah, is the current, who is the current owner of Baja, Baja Jacks. And um, so this was my introduction to him. Got to work with him. Uh, worked there up until the opening of Logan's. Okay, yeah. And That's when you met, yeah. At the opening of Logan's, I had done some serving at Applebee's, but I hadn't gotten into the bartending aspect. Okay. I kept that a secret. So let's jump into uh, the Logan's thing, because like Logan's, well, like not not you and I personally. Oh no no no! Like Logan's though, at the time was the best wagon top of the industry. It was it was the thing. Like as as top level as you could go, Logan's was that. It was at the time. It was Texas Roadhouse meets Cracker Barrel. Yeah, but like. Even before Texas Roadhouse really became Texas Roadhouse, yeah, because it wasn't widely. No, this known. was this was kind of the first competitor to Outback, in my opinion. And yeah, but Outback at its at its peak, like because Outback nowadays, like nobody cares. Right at that time, oh, it was it, it was a big deal. It was almost what you would consider Charleston's or Mahogany's or Fleming's. Yes, it, it, it's it, closer it to Fleming's. Fleming's. Yeah, 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 where you're, because um, at the time they were hand cutting steaks yep. um they actually pride themselves on what they actually put out um it it hadn't sold out seven times at this point preach that yeah it, it was definitely a different concept that's right? delicious is it it's a nice change it's a it's a it's nice malty. change it's malty it's whew. sorry the thing that i keep getting off of it though is like that it's almost sour can, can, can i do it 
Yeah. Rye! It's like yes. instead of why. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, that's all you get is that bitter rye. Yeah, for sure. No, so you and I met each other at Logan's Roadhouse. This we is did. where you and I uh, originated like our relationship. Um, I was a daytime bartender. Well, before we even get to that, though, um, I was running like other restaurants. Like I was already a salaried manager at that point. Oh, yeah. Uh, three Tomatoes. Uh, wild Noodles at the point. Actually. Oh, Wild Noodles, not at Three Tomatoes. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. So same company. Yeah, so I, I switched over. You and I got to meet each other, whatever. And when we went through training, I chose to um, get into the serving aspect rather than working right. in the kitchen because I had both options. And the option was hate my life or do something different. And I was like, I'm going to do something different. Um, so then the first time you and I met is that you were actually bartending. I wasn't allowed to sit at the bar yet because I was 20. Jesus. And I sat at the bar, and you actually served me as the first trial run, quote-unquote, of food and, and full setup, right? Oh, okay. Um, so you and I met each other doing that. Um, and somehow or other... Wow. Right. Somehow or other, we're still friends. I don't know how because we are both completely assholes at this point. Um, uh, we were but, just kids. I'm no shit, right? So the real thing, though, is that so we both got into the industry. There, we did our thing. We we learned um, a higher level of serving and execution that went right. with it. Um, what do you think your biggest takeaway is from that time frame in your life, right there? Because before um, you finish, like that point, you were running dive bars slash Waffle House. Then you stepped up the game. Um, even even Applebee's was like, you you stepped up your game, and we had this like top tier execution. What yep. what's your biggest takeaway? You think? Because I know what mine is, but Pro- what is yours? Professional professionalism translates okay. different arenas. Mm. So, what I. Th- I guess if I could give Logan's props, mm-hmm. it would be that they challenged me to buy into the values and the mm. underlying proprietary reason for existence. Right. And so because I understood the five core values and right. I understood the mission statement and the vision statements. It's the and first I time you really felt things, it, right. It was the first time anyone cared enough to teach it to me. Right. And so it created that buy-in. And so because of that, that's why I do what I do now. I would very much say that Logan's influenced the later half of my life. The okay. latter half of my life. Yeah, and, and that's the thing that I can't disagree with, right? Like um, every other job that I had at that point, I was doing something that somebody else wanted without purpose, and it, it generated a reason for doing what I was doing. Um, and I, I get that. I mean, that's a thousand percent. You knew the why, but it wasn't yours. Right. Yeah. No, it definitely helped to carry that. Yeah. Right. So the thing, though, that I take away from that time frame um, and like everybody on Cows and Canoes kind of was influenced by Logan's when we all worked there together. True. Um, you know, the the thing is, is that like they always talk about in, in uh, high school or in college or whatever, the best times of people's lives. Um, we generated that for a lot of people. I don't think that Logan's was my best time in my life. But, like, I ran into Diana. Do you remember Diana? Um, used to be a server over at Logan's. Can I say no and not be an asshole? Yeah. Okay, no. Uh, I ran into her at fucking... Uh, she she currently works at uh, uh, Wendy's here in town. Uh, head shaved, everything. And, like, I didn't recognize her. I mean, she's probably... In, in like, without saying like an asshole, she's probably 100 pounds heavier than she did at the time. Um, and that's not a joke with a shaved head when she had long hair and she's like oh my god Brandon how are you and I'm like oh shit who the F is this and the name tags like Diana and it took me 10 seconds to catch on to who this person was Jesus right but you know I ran into Tamara right exactly same concept. yesterday so when you but see, she looks the same when you see these people who are in this boat and like they reach back to like Dude, you you had this thing and like you had this party or you had this ex and like we generated so many people's um <laughs> mi- I know, right? No, you're you're not wrong. They, we generated so many I memories. Mean, shit, you remember whenever we saved Phil's house from burning? 
You did. I didn't do shit with that. <laughs> like you did that. I didn't do that. God. I remember when, you disappeared, when man. yeah, when uh like it's not just that though, like um the Halloween parties. We would have keggers, we would have this, we would have yeah. that. But like the biggest it was thing unreal. Yeah, but like there was an impact on people's lives that even whenever we weren't being intentional. We were never intentional. That's what I'm saying. Even, but we are now. Yeah. But whenever we weren't being intentional, we were still influencing. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, and I think that's um, goes to show just kind of who we are, mm. Um, mm. even before we realized who we were, mm-hmm. and the power that we had that we didn't necessarily tap into. Mm-hmm. So, I think my biggest argument with Logan's was that they wanted to cut me down to size instead of let me flourish. At Jeff the time, had, Jeff, before it was Jeff, though, it was Chris, right? Well, so Chris, I don't know how much Chris's decision, I don't know whose opinion mattered Eric. what. I don't know whose opinion mattered what. Right. And I say that simply because whenever I applied at Kane's, somebody gave me terrible feedback. Oh, that wasn't me. No, it wasn't. I, I was fighting like a motherfucker. To yeah, you were the only reason why I got hired on. Somebody else was trying to keep me off staff. Yeah. And it was either Mike or it was Jeff. So, and so you can take your pick. Well, no, it's fine. So let's, we, we jumped ahead of ourselves. Sorry. So, well, no, it's good. So you and I, we were, we were buds. And then um, yeah. I left Logan's, did the military thing, went to Dish, in which case you got on Dish for a little while. And I will not even play that dish. Is 89 a days, job. bro. Dish is not. A, I got you your $300. Yeah. It's not an easy job. There's no question. Right. So then I did that. You split off. You started doing back towards more hospitality base. Right. So what did you do in that time frame? I can't remember off the top I of my head. I went back to Logan's. Okay. Uh, went back in under. So I was working under Kelly. <laughs> And he was paying me five dollars. He was paying me five dollars and fifty cents an hour. Still the worst manager I ever worked for, and I mean that legitimately. A lot of people like Kelly. Dude was the biggest like tool. Like ah, oh. I couldn't if if anybody ever likened me to that guy, I would probably honestly change careers, and I don't mean that lightly. Kelly Kelly was the only person that was a Nick fan. I felt like on the management team. Uh, you're probably not wrong there, but like, God, I hated that dude. And, and I get that. You know what I think it was though? I think it's that I don't feel that he was genuine in anything he did. And that's the issue I ran into. I, that's my issue. Not- Kelly, Kelly was very much a people pleaser. I'll give you that. Absolutely. Oh, I'll give you that. Absolutely. Yeah. Certainly. So, uh, while you were doing that, uh, 2010, I went back to Logan's, uh, Chris passed me over again for a key, key hourly, hourly position. Yeah, Cause that's when Tamora got promoted to key hourly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 2010 was about right. Cause I came back in 2012. Cause when did Adkins Ooh, get her promotion because 20, so I was, was in the military at that point. So she was the first one that would have been 2006, 2012. I was and in the military. Then, it had to be like 2007. And then before Tamara, there was another girl, Michelle. Ooh, I remember Michelle too. Yeah. She was, uh, and she was a daytime server with no bartending experience. Yes. Didn't know the squirrel system. Nothing. Yeah. There was nothing that qualified her for that position right. other than the fact that she had a vagina and every other manager outside of Pat had a penis. And I'm pretty sure Pat <laughs> had a penis. I loved Pat. Dude. <clears throat> love Pat. I still love Pat. I, I, I you almost, know what I loved about Pat? I almost crash her house and still water every time I'm you, there. You me tell you what I love about Pat? She hates everybody equally. <laughs> She's an equal opportunity hater, bro. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, so... Um, so Michelle got the promotion again ahead of me. Yeah. And I threw my card on the bar and then Chris sent me home. Okay. Because they didn't even tell me beforehand. Like I walked in, bitches wearing a button down shirt. I You're was like, uh... I was fucking livid because they'd already passed me over because of Alicia. Yeah. So let's move past that point, right? So from there I go to Chili's. Well no, so before you get to Chili's, so that um in in my head, right? So this is probably about two thousand eleven ish. Yep. Right. So then two thousand eleven, I'm in Afghanistan, you go to Chili's or whatever. Yep, March two thousand eleven. 
Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, and I'm working at Andy and Scott's uh, liquor on, store now. On the liquor store at this point, though. Yep. So the one thing that always stands back uh, to me, at least, whenever we always have these conversations, is that um, this is when you start to kind of have the, uh, well, if you're not going to support me, I'm fucking out kind of thing, right? So this is where you really start to get the the job concept where you bounce around hard. Like, if you're not on my team, I'm out. And it, you probably had in that time frame, I think from 2012 to probably 2015, you probably had 10 jobs. Uh, so I went from Logan's mm-hmm. to Andy and Scott's. Right. Kept Andy and Scott's from 2010 until 2012. Okay. And then I went from there to Boardwalk. I remember Boardwalk, yeah. Okay. And then, so during that time frame, I was also bartending at Chili's. Right. In 2011. Right. Quit that job because my bartender or my bar manager at the time, Brooke Lewis, mm-hmm. who I end up working with in a different aspect yep. at a different liquor store. Yeah. Um, she won't let me have off to go to Dallas to watch Corey play. I remember that. Yeah. And yeah. we had tickets to the game and I said, well, you can fuck Eat off. Dick, yeah. And I, I quit. Right. And so that's what cost me the Chili's thing. There was nothing outside of that. Don right. Livingston loved me. Yeah, yeah, he he would have he would have given me my job back in a heartbeat. Right. As long yeah, as she was gone. Right. But Brooke had an issue yeah, with me. But he it, had to back his manager, which is. And yeah, there was, there, I was get it. there there was always something with me that irritated managers that were insecure, and it's probably because I could do their job better than they fucking could. No, I don't want your meat stick. Lies. <laughs> no, really. <laughs> Um, but so between Chili's, Logan's, Andy and Scott's and Boardwalk, that was everything that I worked for until I hurt my back when I was at Boardwalk, right? At at Boardwalk, but I was driving a personal vehicle making a hot shot. Yeah. Right. And so it wasn't, I let them fuck me. So let me ask you a different question, right? So. At this point in time, you've been bouncing around between different um, hospitality, hospitality. I questions. can't get out of my own fucking way. Yeah, you're good. So, was that the intent uh, early on in life? Were you like, I'm going to be in hospitality? Or it was like, this is what's convenient, so this is what I'm going to do. I have to keep making money, and this is the only thing that can pay me without having an education. I get that. Like, I still don't have an education. Uh, trust. Yeah. And so I felt very inhibited mm-hmm. by the choices that I had made early on to chase the money. Right. And so that that was a huge part of it. Um, tried getting into the warehouse. Mm-hmm. Ended up hurting my back. Having back surgery in 2017. Right. But... That's all a little further down the line. You know, um, I really, I was happy at Boardwalk. Um, it wasn't a great job, but it was a decent enough paying job. I was making like $2,400 a month. Um, it's not bad. It's not terrible. It was making, I think it was like $15 an hour or something like that. Yeah. And right. it was guaranteed 40 hours a week, yada, right. yada, yada. Um, and I didn't have to deal with a ton of public, but it was a lot of physical labor. Right. Hurt my back. Uh, let the CEO or yeah, manager, or whatever you want to call him at that point, it was a very small operation. Operation, so it wasn't huge. But let him talk me into quitting instead of firing me, which I could have gone after for wrongful termination. I should have done a workman's comp and yada yada yada. But right, I didn't. Did you get hurt on it. the job? Yeah, and, and I got hit in my personal vehicle. Mm-hmm. You know, which wasn't covered by work insurance and yada, 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 even though I was on the clock. Right. And so looking back at it, I really bit a huge bullet that I never should have done. Right. Um, yeah, but there's that that aspect of yeah. it. And, like, I don't want to be uh, a dick in well, saying like, this, but, like, you had this, like... Loyalty. If, if it's best for y'all, I should probably do it. It, it was loyalty. And, and, and loyalty is not even right, though. Like, if it's best for y'all, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And, like, uh, it's self-sacrifice. a self-sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so, like, four months before that, I had gotten my DUI. 
I remember that, yeah. You know, and so things were just kind of spiraling out of hand. Bailey was born in 2011. We're right. probably a year and a half, two years into that. Right. Things are really rough. Um, back gets hurt. I basically live on my living room floor for about two weeks right. until it kind of heals. And then Billy gets me a job at Garrett Creek and uh, yep. Garrett Creek Wine and Spirits or whatever. Yeah, it is. yeah, yeah. And. I was there for a while until somebody gave me a call about a job opportunity with Raising Canes. Yep. So, you know, Canes was one of those jobs that, you know, I was obviously an operations manager at the time, which for anybody outside of, uh, you know, the industry there, operations manager is basically salaried assistant. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have any control. Um, it's basically salaried assistant, right? Um, and you know, I, I knew you would, ex- would excel in what we were doing. Sure. Um, because all it takes is the understanding of people do that job. Well, like it doesn't necessarily mean be good at it. It just needs you understand people. Um, and that's yep. always been your thing is like understanding people. So I got you on there. Um, job was easy. We started at the mall under Troy, which... Well, um, actually we started in Broken Arrow. Broken Arrow. You brought, you brought me yeah. on in BA and we got to under work Peter. with your buddy Peter. Yeah. Who, Petra. Yeah, who got fired for embezzlement. Um, yeah, followed by his wife got fired for embezzlement, if you didn't know that, by the way. Um, you know what the funny thing was? Did you not know that? No. No, so here's the interesting thing. She got let go because... Um, "Quote unquote," but didn't didn't she you... was cashing out? She was negatively uh, charging, you know, checks, negatively charging checks, so she could pull rolls of quarters out to pay the toll to go see her son. What? Tell well, that, and didn't didn't how you... does that math work? You're like, bitch, what? Well, and didn't you catch that one shift manager, hmm? like with multiple days not turning in deposits? Yeah, no, that was my uh, that was actually at the when I was the GM. It was a whole different thing, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, that that but became, yeah. that's why I so, left Canes. Is so that, you brought me on uh, Broken good. Arrow under yep. Peter. Uh, you remember I saved that guy's life that was cho- uh, choking on toast? I do remember that, yeah. And you then, bought me the Lifesavers and the Monster? <laughs> don't eat. That's funny. <laughs> it was. It was uh, hilarious. So then you went to work for Jeff and Owasso whenever. The concept was is I was going to go to Arkansas, and I knew working with Christy was a bad idea. Um, and at that point, like if anybody is like, you couldn't have worked for Christie, And I say that to this day, um, worst decision you could have had, right? Like, I don't know, man. I worked for Troy was so much worse though. Like she's still at the mall. Yeah. Like how bad you got to fuck up. So you went to work for Jeff, whatever. Um, at the same time I went to Arkansas and then whenever I was working in Arkansas, I had this manager, so there's so many red well, flags and not, not only just Jeff, but I also helped crystal and get promoted. Right. Yeah. And yeah. then I became a threat. Hmm. Interesting. I haven't thought about it that way. Hey baby, I'm still here. Yeah, you're good. Um, so the really interesting part and I'll let you finish that conversation. We'll have a drink of a beer real Can you quick. Hear me? He wanted to do one more podcast, just me and him. I'm getting ready to leave. We're almost done. I'm sorry. He apologizes. She's laughing. Hmm. Yeah, we're just we're just talking, baby. I yep. promise. All right, I love you. Restaurant. All right, I'll see you soon. Please don't lock me out. Or do. Okay. Bye. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, love you. So. Bye. Uh, we'll finish out that. So I got uh, when I went when I left the mall, I went over to Arkansas. When you went to Arkansas, right? I was trying to get you on board there, but they just wouldn't do it. Um, but if they would have put me on as your O-M. operation manager, would have been fine. We would have ran that whole damn state, right? So the issue is though, Jeremy, the guy that got brought up. So when I say there's so many red flags, like the guy got. Uh, brought up without my knowledge, number one. They didn't ask me, say, hey, listen, we're bringing this guy up to work out of your restaurant until it's open. Conversation never happened, so that's red flag number one. Number two is that he transferred a guy from his own restaurant to my restaurant as a, sh- not even a shift manager, as a fucking crew member, 
Like, hey, I I transfer this guy to your restaurant. Bitch, what? Right. So it turns out the guy that he transferred, he owed somewhere in the neighborhood of ten grand to. Red flag. Wow. Right. So then, next red flag, uh, dude that is a uh, general manager operating out of my restaurant is sleeping with my crew members. Multiple crew members are saying, "Hey, listen, yeah, this is what's happening," and I try to report it, and they say, "Well, you either stop reporting it or you turn in your keys." Yeah. Here's my keys. Yeah. Like, we mean stop reporting it. Right. Like, that's not math. <laughs> that isn't how this works. No, that's not no, the thing. Not at all. So, I, yeah, I did that. Um, but you were at Kane's and then you left Kane's. Um, but then when you left Kane's, that was probably 2015, 16? 16. Right. So it's August 2016. Yeah. Uh, you guys are opening Rogers. Yeah. Yeah. And I come out as part of the NRO team. I remember that. So yeah. I worked my ass off and got out of Owasso because right. fuck them. Uh, anyways. Uh, yeah. I'm going to leave that there. Go to Arkansas. Have a great time. Yeah. Worked my ass off. I think I put right. in 84 hours that week. Yeah, I remember. Great paycheck. <laughs> I come yeah. home, and I'm working my first shift back in the restaurant, mm-hmm. and I have this thought. Do you want your legacy to be great chicken fingers and a smile through the drive through Ooh, good question. And I had recently gotten reacclimated with Christianity. Right. I had just been rebaptized, so I was rededicating myself. Mm-hmm. And so that thought of eternity being there brought right, up legacy. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And so it just translated to legacy and I was like, well no, this isn't what I want to do. And that's whenever I hit you up and you were mm-hmm. like, hey, if you're wanting to coach, because my buddy had reached out to me in June I remember that, yeah. about going to Bartlesville. Hmm. and working their ninth grade offensive line and being like an ISS teacher. Right. So I reached out to you, and you were like, dude, why don't you talk to Daniel, who was your neighbor across the street at the time? Mm-hmm. And so I reached out to Daniel, get that connection. Mm-hmm. Turns out Frank Blair is still the head coach. Get all that. And so then I get back into football that August. So right. I've got that coming up, and my decision is do I – work at the Owasso Raising Canes location and coach football, or do I concentrate on that and go back to school? Right. So I quit my job at Canes, went back to school online at TCC. That lasted three weeks and I couldn't, it just, it was terrible. So that whole thing goes, I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing in the spring, yada, 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 come to it where an opportunity presents itself to go to seminary. So, and this is one of those interesting points, right? So you get out of the, um, the industry, as I say, you know, yep, like food and beverage, hospitality, whatever you want to call it. There's a thousand different things. When you talk about industry, yep, yep. that's what most people go into. Um, and then you have the opportunity to go into uh, seminary, which is, um, best case scenario right like you actually end up getting hired on full-time at a church but worst case scenario you it's such a concept of like is there an income right like that's it like if you go to school to be a doctor you're gonna have income if you go to school to be a psychiatrist you're gonna have an income if you go to school to be a therapist you're gonna have an income if you go biologist like fucking engineer like uh blah 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 your income isn't a necessary outcome of seminary right like not only is it not necessarily in like uh, outcome but like there's a really high likelihood you have nothing a lot of people in that situation end up doing what's called bivocationalism Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where they work to work and then they work the ministry without monetary compensation. Absolutely. And so that's very much a reality. Yeah. No. So 
what is it like not saying like okay uh you have to plan your college based on like what money you're gonna make buy-in but like why did you go that route support system okay um my parents and my wife were both on board uh they both said that they would step into a situation to alleviate the pressures that you're talking about that you would be concerned about uh we live in a house that my parents own Mm -hmm. so rent is rent whenever rent is available um i'm (laughs) not i'm not getting kicked out because i miss a month's rent right if that makes sense it's when when available i'll do what i can exactly and the thing is is to stop the bleeding i'm not trying to patch bullet holes with band-aids right you know to quote t swifty um, I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> and, and and the thing is, is that, you know, whenever we were in a tough season and we had to have a lot of money going out, whenever we weren't having money come back in, mm-hmm. it was lean. Mm-hmm. And so that struggle forced us to kind of bring that continuity together. It was either going to break us apart or it was going to bring us together. You're one wrong, or the yeah. other. It was one or the other. And so what it's done is it has brought this continuity to the nucleus of our family to where my mom, my wife, myself, we're on this journey Mm -hmm. and we're all bought in and everybody sacrifices and everybody is disciplined and kind of aspect. So, I mean, the only reason why I'm able to do what I do is because of community. So let's, let's flip the script for a half second. We're at 55 minutes. So let's flip the script for a half second. Okay. I know it's tiring. Um, so obviously, uh, the current age position, um, you're focusing more on, uh, religion, um, in general, right? You're not necessarily saying that, um, I want to derive my income from religion, uh, but that's the byproduct of what you're trying to accomplish. Um, what are your thoughts on, you know, the, uh, religion, supporting you as a person sure that's kind of anti-thetical to religion as a whole in theory it, it, it can be so um you don't ever serve god to get paid sure you know but money is also a tool and if you're going to support a ministry you're going to support those that minister so to take old school Old Testament, mm-hmm. the way the Jews did it. Well, not even the Jews. It's really Israel yeah. as a nation. Yeah, There were 12 sons. Correct. One of the sons, Levi, mm-hmm. and his descendants, the Levites, mm-hmm. were supposed to be the church workers. They would be the ones that ran the community programs. Right. Took alms for the poor. Took care of the widows educated the young mm-hmm. uh judicial council right. sadducees this that yeah. the government aspects yeah. of it but their inheritance was the lord and his work whereas all other 11 tribes got a plot of land or resource right where they were supposed to combine for the betterment of the entirety of the nation and therefore take care of those that work the community the church this that and the other so that's where you get the thought of tithing now the tithe as we understand it is a tenth Mm. but in reality it's a 23rd and so what i mean by that is there would be a tenth taken for the temple a tenth taken for the poor and then another one third every three years. So every three years, it was a total of 30%, yada, yada, yada. So that's how they did it in those aspects. So you're talking about translating that to today. That's where you have your churches that tithe, your churches that um, have donations, this, Mm -hmm. that, and the other. They support those that work the ministry. Currently, I am attached to a ministry that is building itself up and mm-hmm. is not financially stable enough to support a full-time staff mm-hmm. and so therefore we work by proxy so let me ask the question um obviously with the uh Kazakudu's concept is that 
um, it's based around tipping, in which case tipping and tithe are in the same boat. You're not wrong. Right. So when you are looking at um, tithing, tithing what you can is always a thing, right? So they always say X percent of income, but for some people that's not realistic. So if you're going to uh, tithe, what what do you say to somebody who says like, listen, basic understanding uh, on is a Sundays tenth. I can throw five bucks. That's all I got. So we have the money to spend how we prioritize to spend it. What I mean by that is if you don't have enough money to pay the bills, but your bills are a $450 truck payment, a $300 electric, sure. you know, whatever cable, yada, yada, yada. And then you've only got $5 set aside for the Lord. That's not tithing. Tithing is taking the whole of your income or the first fruits mm -hmm. of your income and setting apart 10%. Okay. So let's say your entire check for the month of April is $15,000. Mm -hmm. Your tithe would be $1,500. $1, and the first $1,500 that you spend is the tithe. So let's let's rephrase this question. Okay. okay. So what if somebody's in the position that they don't have so let's say I make fifteen grand a month, right? Okay. And I don't have fifteen hundred to spare because of all the other bills that I come into play. Right. So should I prioritize getting the debts cleared or should I prioritize spending on the Lord? Um I, we always encourage people not to give begrudgingly. Mm. So the Lord rejoices in a cheerful giver and this is all biblical. Yeah. So what it means is, is that if God is a priority to you mm -hmm. and your relationship with him is priority, number one, where your treasure is, your heart will be found or where your heart is, your treasure will also be something along those lines. What that means is, is that if Jesus is my savior uh -huh. and God is priority. Number one, he's going to be number one in my prayer life. He's going to be number one in my faith life. He's going to be number one in my finances. He's going to be number one in my relationships. Sure. So with that, he would take precedence over all other bills. So until you get to that concept, I don't want your money. Because mm. you have to choose him. So, and this is going to be the uh, reciprocal of that conversation. So, I understand that um, the choice there is a different concept, right? But um, if I can't pay off my home, you know, loans or whatever, sure, like I lose my home. I understand that. So, is there a leeway for somebody that needs to pay? priorities for surviving as far as getting out of debt yeah so that's and and this is where it's really going to sound alien is that i would rather live off of 90 percent of my income hmm. so let's say if 100 percent of my income goes towards bills bills mm -hmm. are still unpaid right so if i take 90 percent of my income results are similar does that make sense? Unpaid bills are still unpaid bills? Right. I don't okay. agree with it, but yeah. What do you mean you don't agree with it? Like it's not true? No, it is true. <laughs> so, but what what I'm trying to say is that you're saying that your resource is money. Yeah. I'm saying that my resource is God. Okay. So, by giving God 10%, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. Hmm. If I truly believe that the people I follow are following God mm. and the money that I sow into their ministry is being used as God intends it to be, God is going to bless and show favor from my obedience. And so therefore I'm going to live better off of 90 than I am 100 because my resource isn't the money. It's God. Mm. That's so, the, that's the thought process. Behind no, it. I get it. So to that person who is struggling, what do you say? If you struggle with surrendering money to God, he doesn't want it. If you can't do it with joy in your heart, he doesn't want it. He doesn't need your money. 
I mean, if he's really the God that I claim him to be, does he need your money? No. No, but you need him to have your money because your money has you. Does that make sense? I understand where you're coming from, yeah. That's kind of the thought process behind it. Without getting too in no, yeah, in, good, in, in good, detail, yeah. that's that's the thought process behind it because God is my source, not the resource. The right. resource is money. Right. But God provides it. Like, I don't know if you've ever heard people say, you know, I didn't have enough money at the end of the month, mm-hmm. but yet somehow the bills got paid. Right. So let's go ahead and wrap. We're uh, coming up just over an hour here. Um, so wrapping this, anybody who has been in your shoes in, in your past life, um, and you see that, that young dumb kid coming up and, and trying to figure out things, uh, not necessarily religious faith, but like, uh, yeah, industry based, like, what do you say to that kid? Something people used to always tell me is whenever you figure out how to get out of your own way, you'll be great. How do they do that? <coughs> I used to take, because I was so giving mm-hmm. and so caring and so perceptive, mm-hmm. I used to think people thought how I think. Turns out that's not the case. Most people ignore the things I prioritize. Mm. What I mean by this, whenever someone tells you, if you'll learn how to get out of your own way. Mm. Your opinion Mm -hmm. isn't always true. Your perspective, more often than not, is skewed. And if you can step outside of your own understanding and what you believe to be true, to test it, Mm -hmm. you may find out that there's more truth out there than what you accept and choose to make decisions upon. I don't know if that translates. I understand what you're pointing at, yeah. So... My biggest advice for young people, Mm. find somebody that is where you want to be 20, 25, 30 years from now. Ask them how they made decisions. Mm -hmm. Let them guide you and let them tell you you're wrong. Accept that you're not perfect. Accept that there are bigger and better things to learn from out there than your own experiences Mm -hmm. and that... Not everything is terrible. Right. That's and basically it. Heard that. No, I, I thousand percent agree with, uh, agree that you can be wrong. And if you don't think you can be wrong, then at this point, there's nobody that can help you until you can understand that. So teachability is the key to everything. Yeah. There's a book out there by a guy named Matt Keller mm. and he's a Christian author, but his entire premise is that if you're not teachable, mm-hmm. you're matter. dead. Yeah, at that point, it doesn't matter, yeah. You're not learning anything, so why are you here? So, All right, dude. Well, uh, definitely appreciate you coming out. That was um, a day, bro. We've been here since 3 I, o'clock this I know. Afternoon. We've had hella convos at this point, multiple podcasts, um, hell a lot of karaoke. Um, but definitely appreciate you uh, stick around and having this good old time. Love you, bro. Um, you as well, man. Um, but we'll wrap with this one to uh, anybody who is new to Cows and Canoes. Uh, to say, listen, if you don't understand that the uh, industry is never the end, uh, the proof is in the pudding, keep working at it, and then uh, holla at your boy if you have any questions. Yep. It's, um, if you can find the beauty in the pain mm-hmm. and understand that growth requires growing pains, mm-hmm. I think you will alleviate frustrations because there are seasons that require growth. Heard so and, good. And oh man, it, it, it's not fun going through it, but I tell you what, man, if you can grow through it, it'll change your life, man. Heard so good. Hurt so good.